Um, hey, thanks to Ethan for giving us this platform. This is Ant-Man. Uh, this is the Wasp. And we are a vigilante duo in New York City, and we are upset, and we are suing Marvel for the usage of our name. Yeah, um, you could say I was freaking pissed off, to say the least, when yeah. I found out that, A, there was another duo, I guess, if you can even call them that. Yeah, barely. Ca- called the Ant-Man, and what was it, the Wasp? Oh, it's the same same names as our duo that I haven't looked, but probably it was created before. Yeah, I haven't looked either, and I don't freaking need to. Um, clearly, these people are a joke, and it's it's less like a duo and more like a duo. <laughs> nice. Nailed it. Yeah, thanks. So from Ant-Man and the real Ant-Man and the Wasp, the vigilante team, New York City. We and guess wa- what? We're more villainous than anything. Yeah, I mean, we don't check on people's criminal records before we apprehend them or beat them up, but that's not our job. We're just two, a a wife and a husband that is trying to stop crime the only way that we know how. Uh, I use a stick that I found in the park when we were on a hike. I sort of taped two pieces of cardboard and a triangle foundation and glued it to my ass. Yeah, and that's it's not important what we're using. The point is we've been doing it for over a decade, and these people just came up on the scene. Yeah, and now it's cool to dress up like insects all of a sudden. Get real. Yeah, where were you Where were you when I quit my full-time job as an accountant and started doing this? Yeah, where were you when we stopped living at a, a hotel room that was charging us $3,000 night. a night, which we didn't realize, and now we live in our car and, and beat people up who walk by? Where were you then? That's what we thought. Bad science. Did the movie get it right? Bad science. Or will we have to fight? Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bad Science. I'm Ethan Edinburgh. This is the show where we break down the science of a movie with a comedian and a scientist. And today we are breaking down Ant-Man and the Wasp, 2018 sequel to Ant-Man. And I have two wonderful guests joining me today. First, she is a writer, actor, creative strategist, and more, including my good friend, Dory Greenberg. Hi! Aton, I'm a multi-hyphenate. Don <laughs> I, I honestly, I probably could have kept going. Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Sagittarius um, with a, yep. you know, double Sagittarius, Cancer rising. If we're going to get specific, but yeah, I do a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Worm farmer. Yes, and you know, long, long time friend, uh, long time listener, first time caller. Yep, and thank you for calling in. Next caller is going to be a senior scientist at Fermilab. It's Dr. Don Lincoln. Hi, Ethan. How you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm very excited to have you on, Don. You're also a multi-hyphenate. Um, I didn't know how deep I wanted to go or, or how deep you wanted me to go, but I was just looking over the books that you've written, and I feel like we could just have a podcast about that. You know, that would be cool. I like that stuff, too. I mean, the movie's fun, but, you know, yeah. I really dig the science. Yeah, 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 yeah. Movie's fun and all, but let's get down to brass tacks here. You you got a book that really sparked my interest just upon the title, which is Alien Universe, Extraterrestrial Life in Our Minds and the Cosmos. Uh, are you, do you believe in aliens? I got I to gotta get that out 
uh, first things first? Well, the short answer is I think it's very likely that aliens exist in the universe. Awesome. I think it's very unlikely that they're visiting us, but uh, the universe is big and the physics and the chemistry that makes life is common everywhere. And if it happened here, it probably happened somewhere else as well. That is great news. I second the motion, <laughs> motion passed. <laughs> motion passed. <laughs> aliens exist. It's a fact. Gavel, gavel, gavel. <laughs> is that what a judge says? <laughs> that was before the invention of gavels. They just yelled gavel gavel gavel, <laughs> gavel, gavel, um, gavel. <laughs> your your other books of course i should mention are understanding the universe the quantum frontier and the large hadron collider um which which gets us back to the fermi lab do you want to just kind of break down what you guys do there because i feel like it's like the most famous lab in the world well we like to think so certainly I mean, you know, NASA gets all uppity, but but we do kick their butt. Yep. So Fermilab is America's flagship particle physics laboratory. Um, what we do is we accelerate uh, subatomic particles, protons, to near the speed of light. We smash them into things and try to figure out the rules of the universe, what makes everything tick. And that's what we do in a nutshell. And what are the rules of the universe? Well, you know, uh, pay your taxes or you're going to be in trouble. Uh, you know, don't tick off your wife. These are the rules. These are inviolable rules. You screw them up and you will be in trouble. That makes a lot of sense. I had a question. Um, uh, Don, have you ever seen the movie Particle Fever? I did. Ugh, I did. We watched that good. for my, uh, document, uh, my documentary-based podcast, DocuNope, and that shit blew my mind. It blew my mind. We called it Smashing Atoms for short. If it was like the Disney version. Smash Atoms? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was cool. It was accurate. Um, Dave that did it. He's a pretty cool guy. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, that's all real. Tight. First of all, yeah, I should say uh, Dory has a wonderful podcast called DocuNope. And what was that movie called? One more time. Particle Fever. And I believe we watched it on Primo, Amazon Primo. Oh, is that the Italian version it of Amazon? It sure is. Prime? Yeah, they're expanding. <laughs> That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, Italy must be thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> so what, um, what did you guys think of this movie? I hadn't seen it before yesterday. I had a great time with it, but, but I want to hear from you guys. Dorito, what, what were your takes on Ant-Man and the Wasp? Ant-Man con Wasp. It was... Fine. I would say my general thoughts about Marvel movies, I just don't care, which I know is a very unpopular opinion. Um, but I would say in terms of like humor and story and plot and yada, 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 this one, it holds up pretty well, even the sequel. Uh, and I will say it is basically Inception with like bugs, in my opinion. But mm -hmm. I mean, I know you did Inception for this podcast. I don't know if like True. you guys see the the parallels here. It's like we can't go deeper. We'll we won't come back. And then you know, it's yeah, it's like that. So yeah, I mean, I was fine. I was fine with it. But I would like to know more about all this Michigas with you know quantum realms and and mo molecules and all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Don, what'd you think of uh, this movie and potentially Ant-Man as well? Well, no, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, it was a, a fun movie. Um, I like the movies where they don't take themselves entirely seriously. And I thought, thought Paul Rudd uh, did a good job of, of, you know, making it a little funnier. Sometimes they 
these uh, superhero movies, it's all very serious with smashing and, you know, but, but this one <laughs> wasn't just that. And so in that sense, I appreciated it quite a bit. Here, here. Yeah, for sure. I felt the same. I'm with you, Dory, on, on the Marvel movies. I, I haven't seen all of them. And I thought going into this one, it's like, oh, I saw Ant-Man, so I'm good. I don't need to know anything right. else. But then there was that one part where he's in the car and they're talking about how he went to go help Captain America with something. And I was like, damn it, I, I didn't watch the <laughs> Captain America movies. You know, now I don't really know what's going on. But luckily, it was like a really small plot thing. And they just kind of skipped over it. Yeah, because it was like the whole reason why they were like having beef, right? Was because like he went to go roll right. with Cap America. Mm -hmm. I guess that's what they call him is Cap, which sounds like weird. It's like very, you know, post-war sounding like I'm going to go hang out with Cap and Biff. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I did like the movie. I did like the humor of it as well. That's like oh, usually my favorite parts of these movies, like you said, Don, is that mm -hmm. they're not trying to take it like a super serious kind of old school, maybe Superman and Batman type movie that they're kind of like, yeah, we know this is like really weird and goofy. And they're kind of like trying. It felt like at least they're trying to fit in jokes as much as they could. And I definitely appreciated that. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It, I mean, you know, deep philosophical movie it wasn't, but, you know, we weren't looking for that when we picked it. <laughs> yes, this is true. But I will say it was deep as far as the science goes. There was a lot of, like, really cool science themes and topics that got brought up here, which I feel like the first one did too, and this one maybe expanded on in certain ways, especially the biggest difference I could tell was the enlarging and shrinking stuff. I feel like that did not happen in the first one, I feel, you know, like maybe he went like quantum or he went to the size of an ant for sure. But in this one, it felt like and maybe I missed something again in the Captain America movie or something. <laughs> but it felt like they just now have the ability to friggin shrink and enlarge anything at any time. It's like, yeah, like they discovered the button and then they just like couldn't stop hitting the button. It seemed like they really yeah. went ham with with the up and the down and the up and the down. It felt like we were go we were like at high holy services, you know, like we we're just like up and down. Yes, and down. absolutely. Yeah. The car, the the building. I mean, it, it never stopped. Yeah. The Pez dispenser. I mean, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. Right. But is did that Dr. Don feel to you like an offshoot? of some sort of quantum science or is that just like oh that's a different they're just expanding in a different way uh well th the word nonsense springs to mind but uh <laughs> um so, so let me let me tell you one of the things that bugged me about their uh, little shrink ray that they were shooting around um but i wait well, those yeah. are these fighting words that little shrink ray huh <laughs> yeah yeah well they okay so they were shooting these the shrink ray and you know you get guys on uh on motorcycles chasing the the heroes and somehow or another the shrink ray hit the motorcycle but not the people and you know, when they, she threw a, a salt shaker, the shrink ray hit the salt shaker and nobody else. And I'm trying to figure out why the ray didn't go past, you know, whatever it is they shooting at or why the guy's like legs didn't shrink. Is this like a ballistics issue, sort of like forensics and stuff? Like when, when bullets go in places, they have to keep traveling, something like that? <laughs> Well, just, you know, you, you're driving on a motorcycle, you're doing whatever the heck, 70 miles an hour, chasing bad guys, shooting rifles and whatnot. Someone shoots a ray at you that shrinks the uh, motorcycle. Why doesn't it shrink his leg? I mean, you know, how does the beam know, whoops, we'll just skip the, the leg and hit the motorcycle only. And furthermore, if it's hitting the motorcycle, um, how does it know to shrink the whole motorcycle? How does it know to stop? 
You know, this just kind of bugged me. Mm. Yeah, there were a few times I was curious. I mean, obviously, I'm watching this movie with a notepad instead of just popcorn and enjoying myself on edibles or something. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) they seem to choose, yeah, like pick and choose what was being affected by, I don't know what this thing is called, the shrink and large ray. Because sometimes their clothes are included and and what they're holding is included. Sometimes it's not. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I was confused about that, but they didn't even try to explain it. I think we're just supposed to kind of like cheer and go along, I guess. Well, yeah, maybe yeah. the laser itself, you know, like has intelligence particles in it and it's kind of <laughs> functioning as its own entity. Go. You know, it's like the atoms yep. have become intelligent in and of themselves. Is that so, so what you're doing, hard you're, to you're imagine? Pick, you're picking up Ant-Man 3 is what you're saying. You're Next thing you do, Listen, you'll be pitching pitching him yeah. in in, uh, in L.A. saying you got an idea. I'm going to call Stan Lee's estate R.I.P. and be like, hey, Stan Lee's estate R.I.P., I got some goods for you. How about you give me so much money and then I'll share them with you. But then I'll just kind of run yeah. and not do it. That's a good plan. And I like that, Dory, you're taking this like firm stance of pro Ant-Man and the Wasp tech. Uh, <laughs> it feels like we're trying to kind of punch holes in it naturally. And you're like, yeah, but what if uh, these lasers have intelligence also? And I love that. So now we're going to, now I'm, I'm relying on you for the nonfiction part of the fiction. Yeah, I got you. I got you. And I also, okay. you know, just I'm going to put this out there. I have some non-quantum science questions myself, but I will just sprinkle them in whenever I see fit. I want to get into this laser beam stuff if you or Don have any more things to say about it. I mean, my only question was if we have anything like that in reality, are we able to, you know, somewhat shrink things or enlarge things? And is there a danger with that? Or I don't know, where are we? No, to the best of all, you know, not one of these men in black guys and, you know, so... (laughs) I know, you know, it's all happening. It's at Area 51 or something like that. But to the best of my knowledge, this is just not something that is even remotely possible. What about those like, you know, what is that called when I'm, I'm sure Dory's going to know what I'm talking about, mm. where like you put a bunch of clothes in a bag and then you vacuum suck it and it gets smaller. Vacuum yeah. sealing? <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of, that came to mind for me of like, well, that's sort of shrinking my valuables. That actually is, I mean, you've seen it happen. And we actually use that when we make things. Um, It's it's amazing because if you make something and you want to like glue it together, you know, you could... You know, take the two things, put the glue, and then put heavy things on top of it. But that's hard. Or you can just wrap it in plastic and suck all the air out. And since air pressure is 15 pounds per square inch, um, it doesn't take a lot of square inches to put tons of pressure on things. So that's actually pretty cool. Huh. Okay, here we go. I wonder that could. I don't know if you thought about this, Don, as a business idea. That could be like the future of corsets. Have you ever thought about this? <laughs> like you know, like like waist mm-hmm. trainers. You could just sort of like vacuum seal them and it just creates the perfect hourglass yep. shape that sounds painful i know welcome to being a woman okay there is that yeah <laughs> <laughs> gotta go through some pain to look good we all know that amen brother definitely seemed like paul rudd did i think he trained i read for a year where he was eating very strict and working out like twice a day to be all ripped up six pack superhero man at like 40 something. So pretty, pretty impressive. You know, I noticed that when he, towards the beginning of the movie, when he waves goodbye to his daughter and he kind of leans forward on this stair rail and you can see him kind of shaking a little bit because baby, that is all core strength. Like, (laughs) 
And I was yep. like, damn, Paul, and you got to crack a little smirky, little smirky smirk. And it, he looked good doing it. So I could tell he put in work, you know, besides all the flipping and stuff. That little stair plank really did it for me. Yeah, I do think it's funny, though, how like a lot of these superhero guys, when they train up for these movies like Christian Bale did or something, it's like throughout the entire movie, you're just thinking in the back of your mind, like, man, this guy's ripped up, you know, like he's, he's huge, you know, he must have gained like 30 pounds. Paul Rudd looks the same as he's always looked, except for this like one scene where he's like in the bathroom, he's not even like in a fight sequence or anything. And he's shirtless. And you're like, holy shit, you know, this guy's ripped up. Yeah. But I don't know, I just thought that was so funny that he like trained for a year for like that one quick scene whereas you know typically these guys like blow up they get huge well you know what also speaking of his body and what he had to endure one of my non uh quantum physics questions is um you know towards the beginning of the movie there's he constructs this whole fun house made a cardboard for his daughter mm -hmm. and they're all going in it and then it's like woo woo we got to go down this slide this huge cardboard slide that they made and it's a and it goes all the way down two flights three flights of stairs and my question is how does that not tear your asshole to shreds right good question did he train? Uh, uh, maybe he was sitting on a pizza pan or something. I didn't clock that, Don. Did you? Did you yeah. clock a pizza pan in his pants? <laughs> pizza no. pan pants? No pizza pan pants? Mm. <laughs> Answer her question, Don. <laughs> Answer me, Don. She's being polite. I just couldn't quite hear the question. Um, the two were talking at the same time. So Classic. Yes. We were asking about his butthole and what it was capable of, of going through, but it's really not important. Um, cool. I, towards the beginning, <laughs> sorry, Dory. Towards the beginning, uh, <laughs> plot is set up because Hank and uh, his wife, what's his wife's name? Anybody Janet. know? Janet. Janet. Thank you, mm -hmm. Jesus. Janet and Hank are trying to deactivate a bomb. And in order to do so, she has to go into the quantum realm. And I wanted to know if that bugged you at all, no pun intended, um, <laughs> or if you were like, oh, that makes sense. You know, if you did get down to the quantum level, you could get in there and, and turn a bomb off. No, so that really, that was one of the things where I was doing a little bit of face palming there. So, I mean, the, the premise is well, a couple of things. One is they're flying on some ICBM as it's coming in, presumably going to, you know, a nuke or something, going to blow something up. First thing is an ICBM usually comes in like a meteor, so it would be hot, you know, and that's the, the first thing that kind of bugged me. But then they couldn't get through the, uh, the skin of the ship. Well, okay, I, I buy that. They were kind of small. So they had to go to the subatomic realm. All right, fine. So, but then what you see her do is she shrinks down slides through a crack in the uh, missile, and you see her flying through circuit boards in the missile. So what I couldn't figure out is, why didn't she just stop there, stomp on a few resistors, pull out a you know board or something, get all rowdy, and that would be that. But no, I, I don't know. That just made no sense. And then if she did get into the subatomic realm, she's down there among atoms and stuff, what's she going to do? Hit one atom or something, and that's going to change the missile? No, didn't buy it. Yeah, that that was <laughs> that was my question. Yeah, you really deactivated that scene. <laughs> um, to your first point, I guess they couldn't control how small they got. To in, at least in my head, it was like, oh, okay, they're either the size of an ant or they go subatomic, and there's no in between. And it was like, okay, that's fine. But then that's what exactly what I was wondering, which you pinpointed so beautifully, which is even if you get super small. 
what how what are you gonna do once you're down there like how long would it take to like travel to all the atoms necessary to deactivate a bomb well yeah because i mean what's a, one atom in, in a bomb it's nothing i mean you know you got to stop the the circuitry that blows it up you got to you know whatever they've got wrapped around it tnt or something you know it's just this is like crazy i mean outrageously well, crazy the, i'm gonna come again in defense of the atom okay because yes. i feel like it's really <laughs> you guys are really ganging up on these guys and they're so much smarter than you think they are and um. clearly the atom was like hey pfeiffer like over here and then she was like bow, 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 and and save the day <laughs> so honestly it should be called ant-man and the wasp and all the atoms also well, that helped them <laughs> you know I, I i did have a possibility maybe they were just real michelle pfeiffer fans you know they wanted like uh autographs and stuff mm. and they just didn't have time to explode <laughs> well yeah it's like a dangerous mind situation where it's like these atoms are just like oh they just need the right person to reach them and that's what she did yeah <laughs> ah. that's what she's known for that's why she got the part yep amen yep so a little bit later the i'm going in order here so of course dory whenever you want to chime in please it's uh it's your show the there's a dispute between land the fish and land this bird oh god damn it <laughs> this was bad comedy writing where <laughs> i won't tell them you said that I'll because you are still well, you are still up for Ant-Man 3, so I don't want to create any enemies. I don't want to burn any bridges. You got better PR skills than me. Yeah, I'm trying my best. Um, yeah, so is it land this fish? What? I actually missed that. No, it's land the bird. That doesn't make any sense. Land this bird? It doesn't make any sense. It's not even good. <laughs> All right. I still don't know if we have a definitive... I mean, I'm going to trust you, Dory, and say it's land this bird. I think that... I mean, both instances leave the animal in a position that they're unfamiliar with and makes them very vulnerable. So I think it's just very hateful towards animals, that <laughs> mm -hmm. whole thing. <laughs> Birds don't belong on the ground. What if you're a penguin? <laughs> penguins? Yeah, yeah, see? Yeah. You know, voices the same. You know, Brilliant. honestly, like, fuck those guys, though. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> penguins are the best. And there's a bunch of girl penguins, too. You can't say fuck That's those true. guys. That's true. I like a gay penguin. <laughs> That those are the only ones you like? Yeah, that would be my Marvel superhero name, the Gay Penguin. And then I would swim around. <laughs> and they would just go, what are you doing? Can you come help us? And I'll be like, I'm going to call Glad. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just waiting on the phone. Yeah. Um, okay, then there's, um, they talk about quantum entanglement. I mean, there's a lot of quantum verbiage used in this movie. So, I, you know, that's more of like an umbrella general question for you, Doc. Like, did that bother you? Is that how you guys talk? Are you just, you know, half of the day is spent saying quantum this, quantum that? And then also, did they use quantum entanglement correctly? As in, like, it, can you give a message to somebody else in the quantum realm using quantum entanglement. Or as it's well, later revealed, you can plant an antenna in someone's brain, a la Inception. Yes. Well, you know the answer to that question, but uh, I like the fact, or one of the part where in the in the show where they said, do you guys just put quantum in front of everything? Because that kind of seemed like what they were doing. Yeah. Um, so quantum entanglement yeah. is actually a real thing. I mean, it's not like what they talk about here, but um, subatomic particles can actually be um, connected you know, it's in such a way that that if you mess with one, you mess with the other, and and you can separate them from very large distances. So there was some vague truth to the whole uh, quantum entanglement thing, but it, it's 
it was well for one thing the quantum realm and you know uh, communicating from the quantum realm to someone else's mind well that's you know shall we say a bit of a stretch um but uh you know it's not like an esp thing so that was another you know peculiarity um but it, but it is up there i mean quantum entanglement is real it's just pretty different well again don I- you know, I really need to get you in a room with some atoms uh, because <laughs> they can do so much more than what you are just advertising. And I think ESP, for better or for worse, is what allows ESP. Wait, what did I say? ESP is based on atoms and atoms allow ESP to work. And just you just haven't been exposed to that sort of science. And, and that's OK. Like you will one day. You forgive him. For I that? forgive you. Sir Dr. Don. You know, you shouldn't <laughs> trust atoms. They make up everything. <gasps> yeah. That's good. I'm gonna That's use good that. and scary. That's Thank scary. you. I'm here all week. <laughs> um, so wait, what is, I guess, I don't know, like dumbed down version of quantum entanglement? Am well, I tracking here? So, so it, it, it's a little complicated. I mean, qu- anything quantum is sort of mind-blowing and hard to get your head around. But basically what mm-hmm. happens is you can take two atoms or two particular particles and you can make them in the same place, same place in the same time. And the way you make them is the rules that if one is up, the other is down. If one is red, the other is blue or something so that they are opposites of one another. Mm. And then what you do is you can separate them by large, large distances, and they're still connected. And so the weird thing about quantum is you can't know if either one of them is up or down, but you know that when you finally look at one of them, you know exactly what the other one is, even though it's separated by huge distances. And this is a a big deal because it's going to eventually allow us to do... um, you know, types of communication, um, computing, and cryptography. The whole quantum thing is all very, you know, interesting. It's uh, it may be a useful technology, but but basically, what it is is it's sort of two things that are connected, and then even though you separate them by large distances, they uh, stay connected. But is it is it almost? And correct me if I'm wrong. This is like I'm the queen of dumb questions. Is it kind of like? An algorithm where there's it's causation based, where like if one is doing one thing, then the other it causes the other to do another thing, or it just so happens that they're connected, and that's all that it is. Um, I, I wouldn't call it an algorithm. The, the, you know, at some level, it, it would be easy to describe quantum entanglement and say, well, what's the big deal? So just imagine you had a red and a blue ball, and then I didn't let you see what, um, you know, I put one in each hand, but I didn't let you see what was in each hand. And I moved my hands apart and I opened one hand and it's red. And then so you instantly know that the other one is blue. So you say, well, whoop do you do That's not a very big deal. The thing that makes quantum uh, entanglement tricky is until you open your hand, you have a red ball and a blue ball in both of them. And then you open your hand and when you see one is red, then no matter where the other hand is, the other one instantly becomes blue. That's sort of what entanglement does. Wowzers. Oh, yeah, that feels like a like a logic sort of equation. That's just me trying to understand it is by comparing it to other things that I have somewhat of a grasp of, but I have no fucking idea what quantum physics are at all. I don't know well, if you do, Aton, but ugh. 
Oh, yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> Quantum entanglement is one of the hardest things to get your head around. Um, I don't know who the heck said it. Some old science dude, he says, if you uh, aren't, you know, completely confused by quantum mechanics, then you didn't understand what I was saying. Ah. Wow. Yeah, that's that sounds about right from everything that I've learned about quantum. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go back to the show about science. I feel like everything quantum physics wise is the main, I want to say, mystery of our universe right now. That's like the next step to understanding fundamental life, I guess. Um, do you think, have we made like steps towards figuring it out lately? Or do you think we're kind of in this waiting period until the next thing cracks? Like what's our advancement process? Well, the problem is the word quantum is one that gets thrown around to mean a lot of things. I mean, quantum just means individual, you know, the, the, the fundamentally what it means is individual things. So like if you look at a beach, you see a beach, but the quantum of a beach is a grain of sand. And so that's what, what quantum is all about. And so um, the science I do, we look at individual particles. So in some sense, it is quantum, and we're making great progress at that. But when people say quantum, what they really mean is that whole spooky cat is alive and dead at the same time thing, and, uh, um, right. you know, brain... You're, no, something isn't real until someone looks at it. Um, the problem is, is all of those kind of spooky, crazy sounding things were the thinkings of people back in the 1930s. And we have moved beyond that um, over the years. And, and that's not really the way that, that modern scientists think about it. But the problem is, is it's so cool and spooky and kind of Zen-like that those ideas get sort of stuck in the national consciousness and that's what everybody thinks that quantum is about did did this movie in any way rip off any isaac asimov book well i haven't read an asimov book since well asimov wrote him much a long time ago i thought wasn't he 30s or maybe not well he, he wrote for a long time i think it was a little later than that ethan i don't know if you know that like i'm just talking straight out of my asshole at this point so uh, like I'm it just, sounds good it's i make it sound really good <laughs> but it is a whole lot of farts and i apologize uh, so well farts have always made me laugh so i enjoy that <laughs> they are never not funny apologies dr don continue uh, yeah. so, well anyway so the, the short answer is in the sense that understanding the world, the subatomic world, we are making huge progress. We are understanding things we never understood before. Um, we are uh, discovering the rules of the universe and what makes the entire thing tick. But when people say quantum physics, they usually mean all that spooky weird stuff. And now all that spooky weird stuff is still spooky and weird. I mean, people have mm -hmm. um, ideas about that, and you know, a lot of things have been proposed over the years. But the fact of the matter is, if you really ask scientists, you know, to be honest, what's going on when you know an atom when you're not looking at it, um, we sort of mumble and shake our heads and say, "Well, you know, it's hard." Right. Yeah, it does seem really hard. But I love that we're making advancements because it kind of feels like. Almost on every other topic that we discuss on the podcast, science-wise, whether it's, you know, the oceans or the climate change or, you know, it's usually that things are just getting much worse. Oh, we got a nope. cool We got a call music. coming in. Caller, you're on the air. <laughs> you're on the air with Dory, Don, and Ethan. How's it going? <laughs> uh, they and hung up. They him. hung up. And then we lost him. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're listening to Delilah. If you're the 10th caller, we're going to give you The Quantum Frontier, a book by Dr. <laughs> Don Lincoln, a signed copy. Um, so the, the next thing I wrote down was quantum phasing. I think they were saying this to explain Ava's condition. Like the molecular where she's... Dis- 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 disequilibrium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. correct. <laughs> Yeah, so that was bizarre. And the reason that was bizarre to me is they were talking about two different things. I mean, so, you know, for people who've seen the movie, she's sort of like, you know, half there and half not there and can walk through walls and so forth. And that kind of, you know, well, that doesn't happen. But aside from it not happening, the um, molecular disequilibrium, like they said, where she was saying that every atom was being torn apart and stitched back together, um, that is, you know, something like if we are in our universe, maybe you could imagine that somehow the forces between the atoms like turned off a little for a second so that you could walk through it. Because what keeps us from walking through solid matter is the the forces that hold them together. So what they said is, well, you know, if the atoms are torn apart, then maybe the the forces between them got turned off for a minute. And okay, maybe, I guess, in some science fiction-y way. But then they were talking about this quantum phasing thing, where they were talking about going into parallel realities, which is a completely different thing. You know, it's like there are other dimensions that are right here where us, sort of like we're, you know, if ghosts, if you're into that sort of thing, might exist. And she was like moving from our universe to those uni- that universe and back again. So they like use these two different kind of weird sciency, well, not very sciency, but pretend sciency <laughs> explanations for what we, she was doing. But they were totally different. And, you know, so that hmm. was kind of bizarre. Okay, I have a few questions about that. I guess the first one being, do you believe in ghosts? Uh, well, not today, no. Not today. Not today. How about tomorrow? Oh, I don't know. If one comes visit me, we'll, you know, we'll, if tonight three ghosts come and talk to me and tell me to repent my ways, then, you know, I might change my mind. Whoa. Religious ghosts. Yeah, I was going to say, you got something on your chest you want to share with us, Dr. Don? You want to exercise those (laughs) demons with us right now, Dr. Don? Nah. (laughs) Hard pass. (laughs) We'll keep it science-based, I guess, instead of, uh, yeah, letting out your skeletons. Um, Okay, so... I, so I totally get how, yeah, that's two different science fiction-y explanations. But you are saying that there is some validity to the atoms breaking apart and the forces that bring them together turning off and then them getting stitched back together, that that is something that could plausibly uh, occur. Well, if you had a magic go-to button that could turn the forces off, then, then yeah, I guess so. Um, the problem, of course, is there that... Um, once you turn the forces off for even a small amount of time, the atoms would go wandering off. So, you know, it'd be kind of like, uh, oh. um, you know, evaporating or something like that. Is that like fission when they all like go all, all haywire and all over the place? Well, fission is when the center of atoms break apart. And then it's not that they wander off so much as that, you know, they're being blown apart. So it's like little tiny explosions. So what they're talking about, this disequilibrium thing, they have some magic thing that turns the forces off. And, you know, if you did turn the forces off, um, then you're, uh, this may blow your mind, but you are mostly empty space. I mean, if you, at the, the atomic level, you have the center of the atom and you've got these electrons rolling around on the outside. And the 
the cloud of electrons is huge compared to the center of the atom. So you are, let me think for a minute, you are one part in a trillion um, solid and the rest is empty. So if you could turn those forces <laughs> off, then it would be nothing to just pass through it. You know, it'd be yeah, easy. or like a walking bubble bath or something, you know, <laughs> like in the like big, like when they make movie bubble baths, when there's so many bubbles or, mm -hmm. or that. Yeah, right. That's definitely how I picture my brain. Yeah, def, def, <laughs> def, hard def. No doubt about that. Hard def. <laughs> hard, hard. But it's like, it's, it's weird because her explanation uh, in the show, Hannah John Kamen's, which I want to talk to her about her for like a, like a hot second, but she says molecular disequilibrium. Yeah, it's hard to say. Thank, thank you. Yeah, because it's dumb. Uh, <laughs> she says they're all torn apart and then they're constantly put back together. So the torn apart part is makes me think like, oh, she's going through like little, you know, fat boy explosions all over and over and over again and then being put back together. But you're saying that is not the case. Yeah, I think the only way I can think of it is like if you have uh, two magnets near, you know, one another and they feel a force. And so if for some reason you could like magically turn off magnetism, then, you know, that you would feel the force disappear and then turn it back on and then things would, you know, be strong again. And so I'm just kind of imagining some sort of like pulsing magnet or something that is turning on and off and making our atoms not held together and then held together again. Jeez. Right. Okay. The uh, tardigrades we saw uh, yeah. in the I want to say quantum realm, but now I kind of feel stupid even saying it. With the um, water I'll bears? just say, yeah, yeah, water bears. Yes. Yeah. So I assume that that's an accurate portrayal of a tardigrade. Well, I'm not a biologist, but uh, I've certainly seen pictures of them, and it looked pretty reasonable to me. Um, I wouldn't say they were in the quantum realm because you know quantum is the world of atoms, and of course they're made of atoms. So it'd be the you know I don't know the bacteria realm or something like that. Yeah, because I think they were trying to like it makes it made it seem like it was like oh this is like the primordial soup sort of situation. Right. Yeah. Nano realm. Yeah. Yeah. Tardigrades are awesome. I mean they 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 survive pretty much anything. They're just not quite indestructible, but they're pretty amazing critters to the extent that I understand them. Yeah, what do they have that we don't? <laughs> um, well, you're you know, effortlessly they... adorable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, if they were big, I think I'd want to avoid them. They, you know, not something I want to fight. Yeah, that makes sense. And then there was a quantum void section. Did that irk you, or is that does that make sense? I didn't really understand it. Uh, I mean. You know, what what it looked like if you watch them shrink, they went into the, the realm of, uh, you know, the tardigrades and that size. And then you saw things that looked like bacteria. And then it went um, that black side. You know, I don't know what the void was supposed to be, but I thought maybe it was like um, the size where it was smaller than than matter, but not as small as the nucleus of atoms. So, like, you know, you look at our solar system. You know, you could think of it as one thing, but as you go through it, you get these planets and you got the sun and there's a lot of space, empty space. And so I was thinking that maybe as they went through that size, it was just like a, a size where there was nothing, I guess. Um, I didn't really understand it. It doesn't have much to do with 
real science, but that's what I was guessing they were going for. Okay, good. I wanted to make sure. I feel like this movie really got your goat, Dr. Don. You really <laughs> got under your skin, no pun intended. Is That's not even, that doesn't make any sense. That's nothing. Well, I guess Adams. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, it still works. Don't sell yourself short. Now, you know, when, when you're a scientist and you see movies like this, you just got to say, okay, and run with it. I mean, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was fun. But, you know, if, uh, trying to, to justify it, well, you know, I mean, there was a lot of fiction in it. Well, do you find that it's harder for people in the STEM fields to suspend reality because it's so fact-based what they do? Like they're just sort of hardwired that way or not so much? Um, no, I mean, I when I watch movies like this, I just, you know, accept the the power or whatever. And I mean, as long as it's consistent, mm. if it's yeah. inconsistent, that kind of bugs me where, where they say a, and, and then not a happens that, that bugs me. But if, if that's not the case, fine. You know, if you're a flying superhero who can throw fireballs and, you know, telekinetically, uh, mm. you know, control chickens, sure. Whatever. Yeah. That that's your superpower. Go for it. I, I can run with that. Um, so when I watched this, I had to actually sit down and say, okay, well, that ain't real and that ain't real, but that was to prepare for this conversation. But in general, nah, man, I'll just dig out the popcorn and, you know, hope for the, uh, make sure the good guy gets the bad guy in the end. Yeah. It doesn't take your, it doesn't take you out of it. Like when I see people in movies and TV that put their shoes on the bed, I just want to storm out of the room. Like I can't do it. It takes me out of it immediately. But you're saying you can sit through this and not want to like break your TV. No, no. And I've put my shoes on the bed too. So, you know, just saying. Oh, God damn it. Okay, Ethan, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with this. Okay, gotta go. Listen, we're almost at the Bye. end, Dory. Please. Do it. No, I You've can't. survived God this long. It. Don, Dory. we were getting Dory. Lost. Oh, well, well, I didn't put my shoes on your bed. <sighs> that's not the point, Don. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's a couple things that she doesn't accept, and that's one of them, I and I thought we wouldn't get a there. A whole PowerPoint presentation I'm going to make you sit through, Don. Oh, my. Well, you should have Anyway, Ethan, me. I apologize. I apologize, Ethan, no. for letting my emotions best me. Next thing you say, you don't eat cookies in bed either, right? Okay. I'm going <laughs> to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that. That just makes sense. Dessert and then sleep. <laughs> Plus, when you wake up, maybe there's some crumbs for breakfast. Exactly. So you just you wake up and your partner's watching you lick the sheets like a real freak. <laughs> yeah. Who did? I quarantine with what a mistake um okay then this is a really dumb one i love to you know make some dumb notes um because i can't help it somebody said at one point maybe our vectors are off did you think their vectors were off i actually don't remember exactly when they said that so yes definitely their vectors were off it was when they were in the lab and they were trying to bring or bring them back and then it like wasn't working yeah. and then and then oh Michelle Pfeiffer possesses Paul Rudd out of nowhere. Uh, I just love those like really quick sciencey uh jargon lines in movies and that was one of them where I was like, "Oh, got to ask about that." <laughs> I, I tell you, my wife watched this. She's a science geek too and the thing that bugged her the most is when they were triangulating trying to find where the uh the building was hidden and uh they had this mm -hmm. triangle on the screen. That's not what triangulation is. You know, triangulation is you, it just, but it had triangle in it. So, you know, but triangulation is like when they try to find where a, an earthquake is and you get, um, you get like three different 
uh, stations, and then you draw circles around them to find out how far away it is from that station, and then where they cross, that's where it is. But no, no, in this case, they, they just drew a triangle around it, and somehow that meant that they knew where it was. <laughs> You're telling me that triangulation has more to do with circles than triangles. Well, yes, and it, it depends exactly on it. There are other ways to triangle. That is mind-blowing. Um, that's really funny because I really feel like in a lot of movies, there's like triangulating position now, execute, yeah. and it's a huge triangle on a screen. Mm. The thing that always gets me going, it's also like a trope in, you know, science movies, is professors teaching a class that has the subject uh, matter oh, has yeah. something to do with the plot, and then somebody comes and stands in the back of the class, they acknowledge each right other. Right when it's over. And then he's like, well, you kids have had enough. How about you just fuck right off and then the movie continues um i just wish that the professor I, would say that <laughs> I, I i was thinking about it because the movie has so many jokes in it already and i was almost because he says like you know what this is a lot to handle we'll, we'll call this a few minutes early and i really wanted one of the students to be like we just started class <laughs> we're, we're 10 minutes into it what do you mean do you know how much i pay for this class is this university yeah, is a private early. institution? I'm not on scholarship. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> How dare you? It's all in clear. Nothing to do with the movie. Yeah. Um, you know what bugged me about yeah, that? It's always at the end of the class. What bugged me about that scene is these guys hadn't seen each other for 30 years, and this old guy stands in the back of the room, and he says, oh, yeah, I know who you are. You're like, I mean, didn't you get gray or yeah, you know, true. green weight or something? He's in the back of the room, yeah, with like sunglasses, I yeah, think, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Had no reason to and expect also, he's there. who... <laughs> That's such a grudge still that they're holding over so long, like as if it just happened a few weeks ago. Like, don't you let stuff go after 30 years? <laughs> and like the Marvel Universe, 30 years is like two days, right? Right. Yeah. yeah I yeah. forgot about that. It doesn't make any sense. Um, really also super quick fact about Morpheus, aka Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. Um, oh, yeah. I read on the IMDB that in that um flashbacky scene where Lawrence Fishburne as like a younger man comes through. Mm -hmm. It's actually mm -hmm. played by his son, Langston Fishburne, who I knew at Boston University when I was there. He No way. Yes, he really? danced in the same dance troupe as my DocuNope co-host, Christina Anand. So it is. Whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. You're telling me because they had the like Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer CGI younger look yeah. mm -hmm. at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. And I thought for sure that's what they were doing with that with that flashback sequence. You're telling me that was his son well, that just looks a lot like him? What I've done read in the IMDB is that. No way. <laughs> Langston Fishborn is the one that plays his uh, younger version of his father. Whoa. I mean, wow. fact check me, fact check me. I don't know. All I can say is, Langston Fishburne is exactly the kind of person you think he is. He is definitely just Lawrence Fishburne in a smaller body, and it, he's an intense person. <laughs> but wow, yeah, you're right. Dancer. I'm seeing it here. Yep, <laughs> it says Langston Fishburne, young Bill. That's crazy. Yeah, nutty. Yeah, you got to guess who does her research, bitch. I know facts. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, thank God you should just take over. Thank you. I, so I just, this is Bad Science with Radiel Greenberg. Ethan died, and we're just here with. Whoa, wait a minute. Oh, oh, <laughs> wait, wait, God, wait, Ethan wait. Back pause from it. the dead, we brought you back from the quantum realm. Listen, Dory, I'm all about you know sci-fi explanations and stuff, and and for you to take over my podcast, mm -hmm. but don't tell people that I'm deceased. Just you know, oh, take over hosting. So much Duty. Fun and exciting. Oh man, I don't know. We'll we'll discuss it afterwards. Um, I wanted to add before we finish a quick note about the murder hornet. Uh, 
I know that this movie is not about hornets, but it is Ant-Man and the Wasp, and I have been getting some requests for some murder hornet information, and I just want to say that upon my very limited research this morning, it isn't something to be very afraid of. Murder hornets are not killing people by the droves. There's tons of other things to be uh, scared of. Uh, the murder hornet, unless you're a bee, the murder hornet is going around uh, like ripping the heads off of bees, and, oh it's, and it's vicious. It's really vicious stuff. The the, the name murder hornet is not uh, for for no reason. Um, but um, but yeah. Anyways, just wanted to say all is all is chill. Don't don't fret murder hornets in your in your sleep. Yeah. So I also want to just mention the bonus scene. I mean, obviously this whole podcast has spoilers in it. But did you guys stay after the credits to watch the the bonus scene? I did not. The the. People disappearing in the dust. No, never saw it. Okay, <laughs> didn't see it. Um, yeah. So, uh, Dory, did you see that End Game? I think it was an End Game where. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Did you, I don't want to ruin it for you. I guess End Game the movie. Yeah, the Avengers End Game. Oh fuck no! I didn't see that shit. <laughs> oh okay. Well, I don't know. I, maybe I shouldn't say anything. Uh, and I it doesn't really to do, matter. Like watch, you know, murder porn and stuff, and and. Talk about murder wasps. <laughs> Sorry. What? What is? What is this? What? What happened? Nothing. Let's. We'll do another episode with Endgame and have you on. And because uh, I don't want it. it's a big, okay, it's a big gonna, Avengers you're spoiler. You're gonna force me to watch another bullshit Marvel movie. <laughs> and this one's longer. Oh God. I won't know anything. And you got to see two of them to get it right. Oh God. That's correct. You have to see Infinity War as well. Oh, I don't want to watch anything that goes on for infinity. Oh. Come on, you're quarantined. You have nothing to do. And speaking of, <laughs> everyone should listen to your podcast, DocuNope. Is there anything else you want to tell people about where they can find you? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, go back and listen to DocuNope. Uh, I'm not sure if I said it earlier, but we're kind of on a hiatus right now. Things got a little weird with my job situation, Christina's schedule, mostly mine. <laughs> Not so much Christina's. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, just hang out with me virtually on my Instagram at D-O-R-Y-W-C-D for Dory White Chocolate Drizzle. Boo, 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 boo. That was the saddest air horn. I don't know why that came out so sad. Oh, um, I was going to ask what that was. I don't know. Maybe it's because I just wish I could just hang out with people in real life. And then it's just like, wah, 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 it's a Zoom. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just find me there. I Sometimes I write and I host for a show called Pretty Smart. You can just Google that. It's also very science-based, but it has to do with like cosmetics and beauty issues but yeah like if you wanted to know like why men have nipples head on over and you'll find out great and uh dr don lincoln obviously people can get your books on amazon but uh is there is anything else you want to discuss tell people about well if people want to see what i do they can look at drdonlincoln.com it's got various you know my research um books also i make a lot of youtube videos if you look at the fermilab youtube channel youtube.com slash fermilab we've got a hundred some videos that i made 10 15 minutes each about various amounts of particle physics relativity cosmology they're uh um, easy to understand sometimes funny they're supposed to be always funny but they're sometimes funny and uh you know if people want to learn some stuff go over there and uh 
you know, like subscribe and share, as they say. Awesome. They do yeah, say I'm looking that. at it now. <laughs> it looks uh, it looks great. You got some atomic forces and neutrinos and a lot of interesting stuff here. So I hope people go check that out. I'm a go. Mm. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a go. Check <laughs> out the Fermi Lab. Okay, guys, thank you so much for for joining me, and uh, and I'll talk to you again soon when we talk about Infinity War and Endgame. Oh yeah, <gasps> gonna be awesome. Kill me. Thanks, Ethan. <laughs> no problem. Thank Bye. you, Ethan. Bye, Dory. Bye. Bad Science is hosted and produced by me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our associate producer is Emily Feld. Our engineer is Jeremy Schmidt. Bad Science is edited by Lucas Bollinger, and our social media is managed by Blue Whale Media. Shout out to EJ and Kate. I love you. Don't tell my girlfriend. And the executive pin particle loser is Brett Kushner. Follow us on Instagram at BadSciencePod. If there's a movie you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to email at BadScienceAtSeeker.com. That's BadScienceAtSeeker.com. And please leave us an iTunes review. Give us five stars. I sound like an Uber driver. But it does help. It makes sure people know about the podcast, which we really appreciate. Thanks for listening. Bye.